Hey friend, happy summertime. I'm so excited that it's summer and we have so much summer fun happening over here that I wanna make sure that you are in the loop. If you missed it, we now have a Facebook community. It's the Fearlessly You community and that's where you're gonna get all the freebies, extras, inspiration, and there's gonna be a ton of summer workshops happening in there, so go ahead and join. And then when August rolls around, there's the Fearless AF Book Club. Fearless and fun, right? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, sisters, this is not your mama's book club, so just go find out more information, join us for the laughter, the wine, and heck, here's to a summer that is fearlessly you. Hello, and welcome back to the Fearlessly You podcast. How you doing today, sister? I am super pumped for today's guest. I had this conversation actually last week, and I don't always air an episode this quickly, but because we spoke to so much goodness that needs to be said before the coming week, before the Fearless AF Book Club that is happening uh, next Wednesday on August 21st at Tribe Detroit, I wanted to make sure that this really got out there because we just, we talked quite a bit. And I just, I want you to be prepared with this info because I think a lot of times what holds us back from maybe going to a book club or going to something within a new community or putting ourselves out there is literally the idea of what the heck am I going to wear? (laughs) Like, what am I going to wear? And listen, I am, I think 27 weeks today as I record this. (laughs) And, um, I totally am like looking at my wardrobe, like, oh my goodness, I, I got nothing. Like (laughs) up until this point, I've honestly just been wearing some of my bigger stuff, some of my stretchier stuff, or even like t-shirts that are just a little bit looser. Um, and I have got to say this morning, I put on one of my, you know, normal Detroit mobile bar shirts. And I was like, all right, I've hit my expiration. Like (laughs) this is not happening. It's time for actual real maternity clothes or new clothes. And I don't want to buy anything. And so as I'm thinking about next week in the book club and what I'm going to wear and how I really don't want to buy something special just for that, because I like a small wardrobe. Um, I'm just kind of like, ah, Because that's one of the things I think about, you know, the first time I get myself in a new room, I'm a little bit like, I'm not by any means a fashionista or a blogger for where like, you know, people are on point. Kendra and I really speak to in this episode, how some people like to feel polished. And I'm like, there's many days where I don't even feel polished. Like truly my hair is up, no makeup on. I threw on my Detroit mobile bar t-shirt, you know, my, my Shaw team real estate t-shirt, like whatever that is, jeans, flip-flops, and I'm out the door. (laughs) So thinking of going to a new event with a bunch of fashionable women in the room who look super cute. And I'm just like, I got nothing in my closet. Like that becomes overwhelming to me. So I love that we speak to, you know, what to wear, what you might already have in your wardrobe when you go to something new. So Again, it's just really timely, and I wanted to make sure that we got this out here, and I'm so excited for you to meet Kendra today. So let me do a little intro here. Um, Today's guest is Kendra Bissig. Kendra and I really met, gosh, how did we even meet? I think within the Dames Collective Detroit community, probably... I don't know, within the last, definitely this year. Um, And I just feel like the moment I met Kendra, she's just such a beautiful soul. She's so kind and really approachable. And that's what I love about her. You know, she is fashion forward. Like, listen, sister's got it going on. Nothing like my wardrobe, <laughs> but, but yet she's really approachable. And, um, I love that. I, I don't feel like that that's always sort of a combo that you see together. And the first time I met Kendra, it was just like, Oh, yep. Soul sister, fellow mama, like she gets it. And so this conversation is really fun and easy. And I think you're going to love her too. So let me give you her bio. Kendra lives in Gross Point with her husband, Mike, two daughters, Penny and Ruby, and Yellow Lab Lola Pants. <laughs> her grandma, Doris, taught her how to create Barbie clothes out of socks and a basic whip stitch at age six. She's loved and admired fashion ever since. And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, as the daughter of a frugal Franny, high-end items were hard to come by in her closet. Throughout her life, she has adopted a practical approach to creating style in her own wardrobe. She believes that styling should be fun, fashion should be attainable, and stylists should be affordable. I love that. I really do love that because that's how I look at fashion. You know, I, yes, I might have a few core pieces that I might've spent a little more on, but 
I don't really like to spend that much on my wardrobe. It's just not my thing. It's not where I put my time or place my value. So seriously, speaking to Kendra, I was like full of questions because I was like, fill me in on what I can do to make myself feel polished and done, but not spend a lot. So I just love this conversation. I think you guys are going to love it just as much as me. Um, Kendra, you know, she is the blonde mom on Instagram, Facebook. You can find her on her website. Um, She's just awesome. And she does have a special exclusive offering just for our Fearlessly You community. So if you jump over into the Fearlessly you podcast group. She's offering a 20% e-gift card, which is great, you guys, for a holiday gift, which is so crazy to say, but I mean, it's happening, right? It's coming. So 20% off e-gift card if you use a certain code. So, um, you got to jump over there. You got to get it. You got to figure out how you can work with Kendra because she is the bomb. And I just hope you guys enjoyed this conversation just as much as I enjoyed having it. And I hope to see you next week at the Fearless AF book club. Listen, even if you didn't read the book, sister, hear me, you will get something out of getting yourself in the room. Get yourself in the room. It's going to be a great conversation. We're going to have wine and mocktails. It's going to be fun. You're going to create community. Don't even worry about the book. Like at this point, it's not even about the book. (laughs) Like there's going to be great takeaways and I just can't wait to see you there. All right. Now let's jump into this thing. Here's Kendra. Hi, Kendra. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can we just share with everybody the situation that where you're at and everything that we started to talk about before we hit record? (laughs) I know. Well, it's like, you know, part of my identity as a business person, I mean, the name of my company is The Blonde Mom, right? So on one hand, I feel like having my kids a part of things is a good thing because it kind of shows how I like juggle them. But at the same time, they're like, they come in and they steal my joy while I'm trying to do something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that sounds like kids all around. (laughs) And it's it's always about snacks. It's about snacks or it's about somebody stole something from somebody. So I'm always trying to like juggle that. So I left them with the sitter and I came to the library and (sighs) myself the most amazing little corner in the library up in the trees and it's very quiet here, and I hope that I'm not disturbing anybody else here. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I think that that was very smart, and I was, for those of you listening, I was just telling Kendra that the kids, like, run in on me all the time, and dogs are barking, and, like, my neighbor across the street, the little guy's, like, knocking on the door, and I'm like, all right, I'm like, we're just gonna keep going. <laughs> And more often than not, somebody fires up their lawnmower or their edger or their power washer, like (laughs) right when it puts the kids to bed. So I just wanted to avoid that entirely. Totally. Oh, I love it. I love that you're joining me from the library, Gross Point Library, I'm assuming. Yep. Uh, Actually, the one in the woods. Oh, nice. I recommend it if you need to get away. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So for those listening, why don't you go ahead and share with us just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. I am a personal stylist, personal shopper. I got started um, two years ago in September, actually. I launched this little brand, this little baby of mine, my third child, as I call it. Um, I Actually, it all kind of was born um, probably much longer ago than two years, though, probably about five years ago. Um, I had my first baby, she's now six, but I joined a local stay-at-home moms group, and I joined it about a year after stopping working. Um, I had a very successful career in Washington, D.C., where I worked in special event design, and I was good at it, and it fed my ego, and then I came here and got pregnant and had a baby and stayed home full-time, so you can imagine where I was and how depleted and isolated I felt um, being by myself and having this child that relied on me. And it's funny looking back on it. I remember like sitting in her glider and just holding her and rocking her probably about three weeks old after my husband had gone back to work and just sobbing because I wanted to go to Starbucks by myself. Uh-huh. And it's like, now you think about it and I'm like, okay, like I'm a seasoned mom. Like I have two kids and my oldest is six and like I can go anywhere with them. Like if I want to pick them up and go to Starbucks, we're going to Starbucks. But at the time, um, you know, I was very, very much alone and, um, and went through a bout of depression for actually a few years and into, um, 
at the after part of my second daughter being born. Um, but during that time, I joined the Stay at Home Moms Club and I just I plugged right in and I, I got to be with other women that were kind of in the same boat and, you know, just enjoyed being with them as much as possible, going to every play date, every coffee date, every brunch bunch, every everything that I could go to, I was at. I was at cooking club. I was, you know, just mom's night out. There were so many events that I could get involved in. And it was mainly women that had had past careers, like past lives before having their children. And they were looking for that connection. So when I got plugged into that and I was going to these events, um, found that the one thing that made me feel good while I was going kind of through this postpartum depression too was showering and getting dressed and makeup on. <laughs> so I would show up to these events that were, you know, all these women that I love dearly, but they all showed up in their leggings and their messy buns. That's how they were comfortable. That's, that's how they were momming. Um, but it got to be kind of this joke that I was the one showing up with like full hair, full makeup, you know, cute outfit on, but that's how this kind of snowballed into a hobby and then later into a business because it came to a point maybe two to three years in of being in this club and after having my second baby where, you know, other women in the club were coming to me and they were saying, you know, my family photos are coming up. What do you think I should wear? You dress so cute all the time. What, you know, where did you get this blazer from? Where did you get this dress from? Or, you know, one of the first inquiries I got was from another woman in the club who's like, my husband's Christmas party or work Christmas party is going to be at the casino, but then we're taking this party bus to roast. And it was all, like all of these random places in Detroit. How do you dress for that? What would you wear? And those were actually my first flat lays that I made. I just made them with my clothes and I put them on the floor and I took pictures and I offered her, you know, if you want to borrow any of it, you're more than welcome to take what you want. She's kind of same size. So she ended up taking one of the outfits that I had created for her. And that was, you know, maybe three or four years ago now. So it just was this hobby that I, I kept working on and enjoying. And, you know, the best part about it being that I was connecting with all of these other moms we're going through a lot of the same things that I was going through, but my love of fashion and styling just kept growing. And the more I was in it, the more I wanted to be in it, the more I wanted to learn, the more I wanted to be with people and kind of show them some of the things that I was learning and how to do it affordably. Um, you know, because as stay-at-home moms, a lot of us are on budgets. We're on fixed income. We, you know, we have, we're relying on mostly on our husbands or if we have part-time side hustles, we have that too, but we want to look great but we want to do it kind of, you know, in, in the affordable space. So that's kind of how I started or got started doing it. And from there, if my husband was the one that was like, you're getting random requests now, you should, you should probably foster this and see if it can grow and see if it can grow into something bigger. And it really has. And it's blessed me so richly over the last two years. Oh. That story is amazing. And what I think is, but honestly, what I think is the most amazing part of it is it's, it's just so real, you know, it's just so like grassroots. This is how it started. Nonchalant. Like I think a lot of times that's how, how the goodness starts if we pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, I also really love that you, you mentioned kind of briefly that you were going to that mom's group for like two to three years I think you said when this started and that it wasn't, it wasn't like you went the first day and everyone noticed and they were like, can you style? Like it wasn't this immediate thing, right? Yeah. It, it was, it was a long time of putting myself together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because I, I believe that a lot of women listening are trying to figure out what they're even curious about, like what their thing could even be. And right a lot of times we get discouraged if it's not so obvious or if it doesn't happen so quickly. Um, right. And so the fact that you pointed that out is like priceless. It's also really priceless that I'm also wearing like a t-shirt with my hair up in a messy bun. And I actually laugh because I like picking my kids up from school or dropping them off from school too. Well, I will be in leggings a lot of times and I'm always like, are people like, why is the stylist wearing leggings? Because I'm normal. Because I'm 
formal mother and I don't have time to do it all. I just do my best with what I have. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That made me think like, do you ever feel that pressure to show up as this identity, this, this brand that you're putting out there all the time? I think so. I think I did it first. Um, I think a little bit less now, but I also know how to dress very casually, but look polished. And that's <laughs> what I try to teach moms when I'm in their closets or when I'm shopping for them is there is a way to be extremely casual. There is a way to wear your leggings, but look like you're polished walking out of the house. I mean, sometimes mm. adding a blazer, sometimes it's just switching from flip-flops to a printed flat. Sometimes it's throwing, you know, like a camo baseball cap on, something that's just a little unexpected, but adds a little flair to just your everyday. Mm. I think that word polished is, is pretty poignant as like a working mom, because that I definitely have friends who I feel like, if, you know, I saw them randomly at Target, they do look polished where like, I don't know, they're in style with their hair or their shoes. And I'm like, over here, like <laughs> Target, I don't know, whatever, not name brand thing. Cause I just like typically don't think about it. You know, I just run out of the house. So I don't think about it, but I do sometimes have that insecurity of not feeling polished. Right. Um, where would I even like start with that? Like if I'm like, I don't know how to, how to, where to even begin. I think where you begin is knowing, knowing what you like about your body. Number mm -hmm. one. So for me, it's my legs. I love my legs. It's, it's probably the only thing on my body that I actually love. Right. I think all of us have our own insecurities and things that hold us back from wearing certain things, but you know, know what parts of your body you love so that you can show those off. Know what colors look good on you too and experiment with it. Like if mauve washes you out, don't wear mauve. <laughs> and if you love purple, if purple makes you happy, wear purple. Mm. So I think it's first like knowing what you love about your body. Second, knowing what colors you like to wear and what looks good on you. And third, fit. You know, fit is everything. If there's something that fits, if it is too short on you, if it's too long on you, if it's too baggy on you, get rid of it. Yeah. It's, Why it's do we keep it? Oh, we keep it because we're sentimental about everything. Yes. Everything has a memory tied to it. You go into any closet and it's, I wore this to my prom. I wore this to my rehearsal dinner. I wore this on vacation with my husband when we found out I was pregnant. You know, there's all of these memories that are tied to these things, but the memories aren't actually tied to the physical pieces of clothing. They're, they're in here, they're in our hearts, they're in our minds. So it's, it's letting go of that, clear out the old stuff that you're never gonna wear again. You probably have pictures wearing it anyhow, and bring in things that are actually going to get somewhere in your closet. So you just have to remove all of the things that are like cluttering your closet when you're looking for something to wear, right? Yeah. Now, are you, were you, I did for a hot second, like a capsule wardrobe. Yeah. Um, were you into that at all? Or do you believe in that? Or what's your take on that? Or for those that aren't, that don't know what I'm talking about, maybe explain for them. Sure. Okay. Well, a capsule kind of means something different to everybody. I think the, the broader meaning of it is like 33, I believe pieces to 50 pieces and you have to have x y and z in your closet to make up outfits right mm -hmm. so it, it might be like a chambray shirt and a gray blazer and a pair of white jeans and a pair of denim jeans and then you you know basically anyone doing a capsule thinks that they have to adhere to these um, rules almost these rules yeah and i and i know that some people do it for me, I, I have studied capsuling. I, I read probably five or six books on it because it was almost a service that I was considering offering clients. Um, but then ultimately, I decided not to because I think that people feel like capsules are limiting. I feel like they're limiting too. I think that if you have like a green floral wild dress that you love, it should be in your capsule. You shouldn't adhere to these rules everything in your capsule should be things that are representative of you right so i 
I actually kind of operate on a modified capsule. I don't think I have 50 pieces. I probably have 100 in my closet. And I'm actually planning soon to share a photo of the inside of my closet because I know a lot of people are curious, like, what is actually in there? <laughs> I would be dying to know. <laughs> I, I mean, I will give you a hint. I live in a 1928 colonial, so you can imagine my closet size is not very big. And I do not pull things for storage during the winter and during the summer. I keep everything together all at once. I'm not the type of person that can handle having stuff all over my house and like the back and forth with bins. So saying that I'm on a modified capsule, I don't have a small one, but a sizable. Um, but the pieces that I have are pieces that get continuous wear. And it's not stuff that everybody would wear. You know, some of the things I have have huge bows on them, but that's kind of my signature. I love a huge bow. So I'm going to have large bow tops or I have leopard shorts and I have leopard pants. And I know that's not for everybody, but for me, that's part of my capsule. So while I keep my main closet pretty small, I supplement my fashion cravings with um, doing Rent the Runway Unlimited. So I pay a flat fee every month and then I get pieces in rotation. So I get to try lots of different oh, styles. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, I get to try lots of different things and different silhouettes and colors and designers to kind of know how things fit. And hopefully that's good research for my own clients as well. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's green too. It's environmentally friendly to not be like buying all this stuff all of the time um, but rather I'm renting it and reusing. Mm, yeah, that's really smart. And I actually feel like it would be, cause in my, in my mind, I was just thinking about your comment earlier about how as moms, we get, we kind of have this guilt around buying stuff, especially yeah. clothing. My kids have so much clothes, like, and I always like joke, I wish that they would sell like Carter clothes for adults. Cause they come with like a shirt <laughs> and pants. <laughs> So I don't have to do the work. Like I'm just like, oh, that looks great together because I'm like an, I'm like an aisle shopper. Like if it looks right. good on a model, I'm like, I'll take that. Like I don't want to <laughs> do the imaginative part. So I need like Carter's kids for adults. But um, but I think we do have guilt around that. Like I don't want to spend a hundred dollars. It's very hard for me to spend money on clothing. It's probably the thing I spend the least. Yeah. amount on like I got no problem going to a seminar buying a ticket to an event like to me it's all sort of self-growth but when it comes to my closet like I ugh, rarely um yeah. so thank god like you're wearing I wear mostly Detroit mobile bar shirts <laughs> <laughs> and there's a way to make them really cute I know you totally did that I'll make sure I share it with viewers um, that the combo that you put together recently but um but yeah so for those listening that are like, yeah, I do have that sort of shame around purchasing. Um, like, where would you start just to, just to kind of polish, polish the wardrobe a little bit? Maybe the answer is the rent the runway. So you're kind of, I would think over time saving money, but maybe you have better advice on that. Well, I think rent the runway is great for people who don't want to buy a lot of things, but want to try a lot of things. Okay. And I think it's good for people who are into capsuling, but love fashion. It mm. kind of quenches that thirst for getting fashion all the time, but it's not fast fashion. It's designer pieces that, you know, you're renting and sending back. But I think to start, um, if you're having guilt around it or you just don't know where to begin, I love starting with a style session. And that's where I just kind of come in and do flat lays and just show people how to put things together and get them comfortable with mixing and matching the pieces that they already have in their closet. And then I just kind of make some pointers on what pieces may enhance what they already have. Sometimes it's just filling one or two holes. You know, maybe you're missing like a bold colored flat that would look great with 90% of what's in your closet. And it will make you feel like you're put together. It's that, that feeling of polish again. I always go back to polish. Sometimes it's just that one accessory or that one jacket that puts it over the top. But starting with a style session and just, even if, even if I'm not there or a stylist isn't there, just pulling the things out that are problem pieces for you. You know, putting your pants or your bottoms in one pile, putting your tops in one pile, putting your layering pieces in one pile. And by layering pieces, I mean sweaters and blazers and jackets and vests, things of that nature. Get them all out. Start laying them on the floor. Put down a pair of jeans. Put down a top. Put down a layering piece. Mix and match. Try to find common colors where 
if you can pull a color from a vest that's in your pants, then you can put this top with it, mm. if that makes sense. So it's just trying to, um, it's somebody used the term granimals, you know, granimals at Kohl's, how they, it's kind of like Target Cat and Jack. So oh, yeah. Granimals, they have like, you know, you walk into a store and there's two or three shelves and it's all these different t-shirts and then all of these different shorts and all of these different leggings. And they all kind of match each other, but it's just a matter of pulling them off the shelf and laying them down and putting it with, yeah. a, putting it with a layering piece. And once, if you're not comfortable with it, then, you know, then you seek professional advice or assistance <laughs> with it. Yeah. But more often than not, you're going to start looking at things differently and more clearly when you're just taking it maybe five bottoms, five tops, five layering pieces at a time and mixing and matching and clearing out all of those pieces that you're not wearing in your closet mm -hmm. that are just going to get in the way of the thought process. Ah, oh, like the pieces that you're like, I'll fit into this again. <laughs> <laughs> With, you know, women, it's like, it's so hard, right? Like we and especially when we've had babies and our bodies have changed from that. I know that I'm the same weight that I was 10 years ago, but everything has shifted into different places. And some days I'll go to bed 10 pounds heavier than when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Like, of course we're going to keep multiple sizes, but if you're holding on to something that is three sizes too small, three sizes too big, you're probably not going to wear it again. Right. You've got to clear it out. Yeah. Do you ever feel guilt or, um, do you ever feel anxious around styling your kids? Cause you mentioned Cat and Jack and we love Cat and Jack in this house, um, <laughs> over at Target. Um, but man, like I, again, I'm not a shopper. So like, thankfully my, my mother-in-law is and the kids are dressed real cute, but like, eh, for the most part, they're, they probably could be more styled, but do you feel like that pressure of styling your kids a certain way? Not at all. I, well, I have two girls. And I had a sister and three nieces. So it's, it's all females. So for me, girly stuff, girly clothes have always been, I mean, <laughs> my wheelhouse is probably in children's fashion more so than what I'm doing. Now. I've been doing it longer, I feel, but no, not at all. And I feel like my kid, it's funny about both of my girls. They're really interested in what I'm doing and they want to help. So I try to include them in as many parts of the process as possible, especially with personal shopping when I'm unpacking things that I've ordered or I'm going to boutiques and pulling items. They like to see what I'm doing too. And sometimes I'll catch them making flat lays of clothes in their own bedroom. So I, you know, I think that they have great fashion sense and they love fashion and they love expressing themselves. Some of their choices are a little bizarre, but, <laughs> um, but that's our, all a part of finding who they are. And I really feel that style is such an extension of our personalities and I want them to show themselves and feel comfortable expressing. Yeah. I love that. Let's, and let's, that kind of makes me think, let's go back to your story a little bit more. I'm just curious, like when, maybe this was before mommy land and before the groups, like when did you find your own personal style? Where did that come from? You know, it, it gosh, it came, it came years ago. I was probably as young as my oldest daughter at six. Um, at six years old, my grandma taught me how to whip stitch. So I was making Barbie clothes out of old socks at her house. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So she taught me how to whip stitch. We had a home ec class in high school. So I learned how to sew on a sewing machine there. So I think I always had an interest in it. But um, more than that, I was raised by an entrepreneur. My dad owned his own business. He owned a candy and tobacco wholesale business. And he was gone a lot. And my mom became a stay-at-home mom when I was 10. And kind of going back to living on, you know, that one income thing and supporting his business, I really didn't get a lot of nice clothes, you know, and we were living in an affluent suburb of Metro Detroit and all of the kids at the time were like wearing limited two. Do you remember limited two? Oh yeah, limited two. <laughs> you know, they were in limited two and Abercrombie and Fitch. I can't believe that sort of still around. <laughs> Hollister or um, Old Navy was like really trendy at the time. And I remember all of the kids wore these 
beautiful clothes and they always had new stuff. And my mom was a major thrifter. She went to, she took me to Salvation Army and it was embarrassing for me, you know, as a kid growing up, although I love it now, especially <laughs> when I find something great. I'm like, yes, and they were renting clothes, which are used. So, I mean, it's all come full circle. Right? Yep. Um, so at the time I felt like I had to be creative about how I was wearing things because she, my parents really were not spending money on clothes. Despite my love for fashion, I had to figure out a way to make things look different. So I was always experimenting that way. So I think the love of fashion and styling started at six when I learned how to sew, but then it just continued to develop over the years because I didn't have a lot to work with. And even now as a, a business owner who's into styling and shopping for people, I call myself a practical fashion stylist. I, I don't want people overspending for things and I don't want you buying things um, because it's, it's an impulse. I don't like impulse purchases and I don't want anybody to feel like when I'm with them that they have to purchase something either, right? I want people to be smart about where they're spending their money and I want it to make sense for their lifestyle and what they need it for. Hmm. It's so interesting that really your business now goes back to you as a child. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times though that's true for people. Sometimes I've, I've been in many rooms, especially more recently with my workshops where women are like, I want something more. Or I want something different. I want to do my own thing, but like, I don't know what that is. And, and I feel like a lot of times the answer is just like, what did you enjoy when you were a child? What was your thing? And I feel like when you really do a timeline, you notice, you can notice that in all jobs almost, even if it's just a little, um, I don't know, insight into it. You can still see like that little bit of, of inner shine of that coming through. And so it's just no surprise to me that you said at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Did, what was the job? Well, you know, you started to describe, but tell me again, what was in between that? Because it's like, it's not like you were like, oh my God, I know. I'm going to go first to school for this. And I'm going to do like, you know, it wasn't like an immediate um, outcome. It, yeah, it was not. I, um, so when I went to school, I went to Michigan state and I graduated with a hospitality business degree and I worked in events. So as soon as I left Michigan state, I worked for an event production company for a year. And then I moved to Washington DC for several years. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yeah. So I, I worked for a florist and I was a designer and I, I met with lots of brides and lots of corporate clients. Actually, the year that I moved to DC um, was 2007 and I, it was right before President Obama was elected for the first time. So my first round of big events were a lot of his inaugural balls. And so it was, you know, a big period of growth for me at, I think, 23, 24 years old. I was doing these huge events in Washington, D.C. Remember when I said it fed my ego? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but it was creative. I got to be really creative and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, being able to do weddings and corporate events and government events and social events, everything in between, I had this really big creative outlet. And so I think that, you know, creative people are creative people. It doesn't matter where they put, it's just a matter of figuring out where they can channel it. Mm. And after I knew that my time in the event industry was done after I had my first daughter because of the, the demands of it, the late nights and the weekends. And it just was not a lifestyle that was conducive with how I wanted to raise my children. So I left the event industry, but of course I needed, I needed to feed that creativity that was in me. I needed something. Um, and it was really just a matter of having a husband that saw something that was developing and a tribe of women that were standing behind me and rooting for me. And that was huge for me in going out on my own. It was very scary to take that leap. Um, but I knew that I needed that creative outlet too. Mm, the tribe part is essential. It you is. know, I think a lot of times we think that we're in this alone. Some people might be listening and thinking like, well, my husband doesn't support me like that. You know, who is my cheerleader is always a question, right? And there's right. always somebody though that can always. sort of see what you want and, and root for you and cheer you on and be like, keep going. Um, yeah. 
I was actually thinking about that before we got on this call, because before we got on the call earlier, I was doing another interview. I thought to myself, both women that I'm speaking to today, I'm only speaking to because I got myself in the room, however many months ago, you know? So like for you and I, like, I feel like we started to connect, you know, likely through Dames Collective here in Detroit. And then now through Detroit Moms blog. And it's like, the getting myself in the room over and over, like pushing yeah. myself outside my comfort zone to be in a room with of women where I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know if I belong here. <laughs> women are so intimidating. Oh, so intimidating. <laughs> Girls are intimidating while you're growing up. And then it just turns into moms being intimidating. And then it turns into women being intimidating. Yes. It's so hard to put yourself out there, but just knowing that other people feel the same way makes me feel better at least. Oh, totally. And, but you like, you can't see that until you just do it. Right. I think a lot of times, especially more recently hosting so many things where you physically have to come, I've been, um, I've not, not let down, but surprised by the lower turnouts. And I think that it's not really anything other than it's scary to get in the room. It's, it's easy to jump in on Facebook and watch a live, you know, like you can do it from your home. You don't need to get a babysitter. You don't have to <laughs> figure out what to wear, <laughs> you know, like, but that's where all the massive growth comes from. I mean, we wouldn't even be having this conversation without that. Right. Um, what are some of the rooms like that you felt super nervous about at first that now you've created connections through or has brought something, you know, along, along your journey? Some of the groups. Yeah. Oh gosh. Every group I get involved in, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the first one I joined the state home moms club, it's, yeah. gross, it, it's gross point moms club. It's all stay at home and part-time working moms. I was new to Gross Point, very scary. You know, I had my own ideas of how, or my own perceptions of how the women were going to be here. It was nothing like what I thought. Um, probably the most welcoming, tight-knit community I've ever lived in. And I mean, that was where kind of this was born. This idea, I met my tribe of women in that group. I have a very tight-knit group of mom friends who we all push each other and we make each other better because of one another. So, but super intimidating when I first joined that, but then I dove in and I was coordinating some events and then I was the vice president and then I was the president for a year. So when I go into something, I know that I'm going to give it everything that I can. I'm going to give it every shot um, at, at enhancing my life because otherwise why do it's a waste of time then i i want to sew into these groups so that you know it it sews into me mm -hmm. and you know i felt that way about that club and then i joined the detroit moms blog a year ago which has been the most wonderful experience and as i'm moving into a different capacity within the blog right now it's even more exciting because i'm using more of my talents for the blog i've kind of moved away from the writing part and i'm moving more into the styling piece of things and you know with dames collective it's just a whole new group of women that i got to meet over the last year and they all offer something entirely different. And with that group, it's funny. I feel like I can kind of take my mom hat off and leave it at the, mm -hmm. I come in, it, it just feeds me in a different way that these other groups do. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. You say that because, um, I feel like James collective is more comfortable for me. Like it's easy yeah. for me to talk about business and things like that. And when I went for the first time to the Detroit mom's blog contributor gathering, I left there and I said to my husband, I've never talked about my kids so much. <laughs> like, it was great, but I was also right. like, wow, this is just such a different conversation and how two groups can like just have completely different feelings and takeaways and offer me something that I also needed. Um, that I didn't know that I needed, you know? Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's so great that you're doing those because you need to diversify. It can't always be all about your kids and it can't always be about your business, but there's a time and a place for both and it feeds your soul in different ways that you need. Yeah. And it's okay if you're not sure, like, 
if you belong there. I think that's a really good point because I was actually just saying to a friend of mine this weekend, I'm really excited about Detroit Moms Blog because I love the community already, but I don't know if I'm going to have like, I don't know if I'm going to be that great of a contributor if I'm that great of a writer. Like it was just like something that like came out of my mouth without thought. And then yesterday or two days ago, I was so inspired, wrote this whole thing, sent it, was so proud of it. And I was like, ah, see, like, from yeah. one day to the next, you feel like an imposter. And then the next day you're like, I got this. And got yeah. And like, it's like, you have to go through both of those phases of what the hell am I doing here? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I belong here. And it's like that reassuring yourself over and over and over again, where suddenly now when I walk into a room that I'm, you know, it's new to me, I feel less and less like, do I belong here? I don't have that thought as much because I feel more confident that I have something to bring to the table and I have something to contribute to this group. That's more than me. It's not about Lauren. It's about like, how can I help other people? I couldn't agree more. And it takes time though, right? Like it takes that first step and then going to the next thing, going to the next thing and getting uncomfortable. Oh, uh, I love <laughs> being uncomfortable. And worrying about oh. what you're going to wear. <laughs> I never worry about that. <laughs> you're, that's because you're good at it. I, I was sharing on Instagram. I know you already saw it. I was like, I felt so good when I spoke on that panel at James Collective because I was like, you pretty oh, much, and you totally inspired the dress with the shirt. And I was like, all right, because I need to see it. Like I'm a girl that's like, I don't know what to do here, but if I see it, I'm like, all right, I can do that. You know? So <laughs> I love that you do that. Um, and the question I was thinking about, I wanted to ask you, which we started to talk about previously was, so when you said like your bows are your thing, I think for me, even though I only have one, jean jackets are my thing. Like I yes. feel like that's my piece that I can wear with workout pants. I can wear dressed up. Like that's my go-to piece. Um, the most yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any tips like around how to, um, well, I know you said it's already versatile, but make it more versatile or utilize it better. Like, I don't know if I need more than one, like a light one and a dark one. I mean, <laughs> give me the goods. The funny thing about jean jackets, jean jackets and I have kind of a silly little relationship. <laughs> I, I had bought six jean jackets over the course of four years. Okay. I could not find the right fit. It I get it. Driving me crazy. They would either be too short. The sleeves would be too short. The sleeves would be too long. It would be too boxy. Um, or, or it would be like too bulky around the waist. Yes. So I had the hardest time. And I mean, I got them from Gap, Old Navy, like the places you think of denim, Banana Republic, Madewell. Um, but none of them were the perfect fit. So for me talking about a perfect denim jacket or how to wear a denim jacket is you have to find the one that works for you first. Right. And then it goes with everything, but it's not going to go with everything if it's ill fitting. And a lot of them are, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the right denim jacket. That is true. Cause I feel like mine, where is it from? I'm going to have to look it up and like put it in the show notes, but I've had it for years. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think where, I don't know, but either way it it's comfortable where I think sometimes jean feels restricting, you yeah. know, but this one's not, it's really comfortable. So I, I agree. Jeans is like, it's weird. You do have to find the right size. Yeah. And I, I don't, I either donated or sold those jackets when I found the perfect one and the perfect mm -hmm. one cost me a small fortune, but I will say that it has gotten more wear out of any other piece in my closet. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes you have to just make that investment when you know that you're going to wear it a ton. So I bought it two years ago and I probably wear it two to three times a week. Mm -hmm. That's so when you, when you think about cost per wear, it's like gone the distance with me and it's by Legence in case anybody's curious. It's, um, I purchased it from She, and there's a boutique in Bloomfield Hills. They used to have one in Gross Point, but again, it's Legence. You can buy it online too. And then Cut From the Cloth, spelled with K's, that is another really good denim jacket. And a lot of my clients have liked that brand as well. Mm. So I guess some ways to wear it 
because <clears throat> you already know how versatile it is. One of the things that I do is I roll up the sleeves or I scrunch the sleeves. So I'm always doing something different with the sleeves depending on what I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing it with like a casual uh, sheath dress or a graphic tee, I'll scrunch the sleeves. Mm. But if I'm wearing it with like a pencil skirt and a cami and a tee or something like that, I'll wear them down or just fold it up once. And I, I'll wear both ways with colored denim. It's just some ways that I've put them all together. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I, I do like throw it on because it's just so darn comfortable. And then it's like with the, with jeans on and I'm like, oh, like I usually, I don't know if this really is the way I should be wearing it, but it's so darn comfortable. <laughs> exactly. I'm just in a jean suit. <laughs> That's not the way to wear it. That's probably the only way to not wear a jean jacket. other jeans. <laughs> I can point people out what not to do. <laughs> I see it. I, I see people do it. It's not a look that I'm into. Um, but if I do, if I do wear my dark rinse denim jacket with jeans, it's usually with a colored denim. So mustard or burgundy or blushy pink or a white jean. That's usually okay. But the, the denim on denim is tough. <laughs> Oh, all those colors make me so excited for fall. That's what I just like felt when you said that. I was like, yes. Mustard. I love mustard. But the problem is, is I'm pregnant right now and it's so hard. I was telling you this before, like, I don't want to go buy new clothes. Like I'm, I only have three months left and, but I, I didn't have any of my babies in the fall. So like for me, all my like third trimester clothing was summer and is warm and hasn't quite fit me yet. So I haven't even been able to wear that. So I'm like, I'm like all off over here. I don't even know. Um, maybe you have some tips for me for the fall. Cause I'm going to be like pretty darn big. November 6th is my due date. November 6th. Yeah. But you're, you're coming down to the home stretch though. Yeah. You are going to be at the biggest part of your pregnancy during the coolest part of fall, yes. you know, so you're probably going to be fine with just a few layering pieces where you can have your belly out and not close it completely. Yeah. It's a nice thing. You don't have to go all through winter trying to zip a jacket over it. I had to do that with my first one and it was not easy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had to do that either. That's crazy. I know that's what, that's where it gets tricky. And I'm like, I don't really want to buy anything. Um, but let's say I wasn't pregnant in this fall because fall's coming and there's so many listeners who are probably super psyched about fall fashion. Like I typically am. What are some, um, I, I don't know, trends, things happening. Like, what are you seeing coming this fall? I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of bold colors. Um, like some of the colors that I just men mentioned, the burgundies, the gold, um, mustery colors, oranges, of course, I mean, these are traditional fall colors, but I'm starting to see them in more staple pieces, like leather jackets are coming in those colors, which I love. Mm. It's easy to throw that on over a sweater dress or even a t-shirt dress and a little pair of ankle booties, which is, you know, something that would work in September where the weather is kind of, you never know what you're going to get. Is it going to be 90 during the day and then 50 at night? It's yeah. Weird pocket of fall that you don't really know <laughs> quite what to wear. So seeing a lot of that, and of course plaids, leopard is still super hot. I, I'm not sure. I think leopard is here to stay, but I think more snake is coming in, and I'm starting to see more colored snake too, just for the fall. I hadn't seen that much of it up until probably this past month. Sweater mm. dresses, and those are the best because oh, yeah colder out, then you can throw on tights and boots with it. But if it's, you know, like a midi length or a knee length, you can wear it during that transitional month, like end of August to mm -hmm. you know, November. Yeah. I actually think fall is, I don't know if it's just the most fun to dress for or the easiest to dress for. Like it's just the layering and the scarves and it just seems so easy. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as long, I'm typically, again, I'm in a shirt and, and jeans with a jean jacket or something, but, but I mean, when I do dress up, it just seems fun. Like there's something about it. It's that, that fall air. I can't wait for it. Oh my gosh. The other thing I was thinking about, we only have probably a few more minutes left. I'll ask you a few like ending questions. But when I was looking at your site is I feel like a great idea would be to gift somebody 
one of those, because you offer three different services, right? Can you speak to that? Sure. So I do style sessions. So styling sessions are coming into your closet and maybe if you have some problem pieces that you don't know how to wear them or more often than not, I have clients that say I had this event that popped up or this party that I had to go to and I bought this on impulse because I needed something quick, but I don't know how to introduce it to the rest of my closet. So typically when somebody schedules a um, styling session, we'll go in and that's when we'll do flat lays and I'll try to do, you know, three to four iterations of an outfit using those pieces. So I try to, you know, I try to get in like 10 to 15 outfits per hour and most people will book about two hours. And then the next service is closet audit. So if you're looking for something or if you're looking to clear things out, again, maybe you have some of those <laughs> pieces from high school, college, yeah. those things that are really, really big on you or really, really small on you. And you just need that extra something to get them out of your closet. And I will say, I say this all with the caveat that I do not make you get rid of things that you do not want to part with. I, although I'm poking fun at us having the sentimental attachment to things, some things are rightfully attached to us. And, and that is okay. If there is a sweater from your grandmother that you don't want to get rid of, or if, if there's somebody special in your life that it gifted you something and you can't get rid of that, I am fine with that. So I do not pressure that at all. And oftentimes I don't get rid of stuff that's even out of style because I feel like if you love it, you should wear it. I'm just going to show you how to wear it updated. And so the only time I'm really going to get rid of things is if it's pilling, holy, dirty, like you need to, you need to get it. To go. <laughs> it's got to go. So I think that would be more on my husband's side of the closet. <laughs> It's always the men. It is. I swear his closet is so much bigger than mine and he complains he has no clothes. I'm like, what? You have like all this stuff? Oh yeah. Men is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> do you ever help men? I do occasionally, but yeah. it's only when the wives have contacted me. Of course. <laughs> men are not reaching out to me. The men don't care. Yeah. yeah, they'll wear the same things for 20 years. And the women though, and they'll contact me about family photos is usually how it happens. Yeah. And I'll pull lots of pieces for their husbands. And if, if their husbands are doing a fitting too, a lot of times they'll end up purchasing, you know, several of those pieces just because they haven't updated their stuff in years. They don't even know what size they are. <laughs> man what size pants he is <laughs> I guarantee 50% won't know yeah I'll ask Ron later I'm sure the answer answer will be that I don't know you buy him <laughs> totally. so that I mean so that's closet audit moving into personal shopping right so personal shopping is anything from you have an event coming up and you just need something to wear for that or family photos or headshots or something for your business, something for work, conferences, um, right on up to a full, you know, just clear out everything, get a full new wardrobe, spring, summer, fall, winter. It just depends on what people are looking for, but I'll usually pull up to 50 pieces for those clients. Dang, that seems like a lot. I yeah, can't, I can't even pull like 50 pieces over <laughs> in my closet <laughs> now, like, like, honestly, everything you're saying, I feel like somebody else might be like, this sounds like such a fun job. And I'm over here like, oh my God, this sounds so stressful. <laughs> you know, it's so much fun though. And the best part about it is the connection, is getting to know these women and what their lifestyle is and what their needs are and how they want to feel in clothes and kind of tapping into that and tapping into how they want to feel, but then sprinkling it a bit with my style. Because every time I pull pieces, I don't pull them because I think it'll look great on them or because this matches their style. I pull them because it's things that I would wear. And if I would wear it, I know how to wear it. And I know how to mix and match to make it work with your lifestyle. What do you find um, is some of the women that you work with, is their number one fear around 
styling something for themselves or getting it right or what's the what's the biggest block the body image mm-hmm. it's how they view themselves which is never how i look at them but you know i i'll look at myself in pictures and i'm my biggest critic yeah i think we we talk about that a lot and i talk about that gosh with every client is I don't like my arms. I don't like my butt. I don't like my, my feet are too big. My nose is too big. My stomach, I get love handles when I wear these type of pants. It's, there are so many, we create our own blockages when they really don't need to be there. Um, you know, there is a way to wear clothing that fits. And the other thing too, is knowing what your sizes are. Yeah. If you lie to me about your sizes, it's not going to be a fun fitting. (laughs) <laughs> so own your size and own your flaws because yeah. once you can get back the, or get beyond those two things. You could love your closet. You could love the clothes that you're wearing every single day. Yeah. Huh. That's so interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure that's not a unique conversation. Like it's oh. probably the one you have over and over again. Right. Right. But you, I can't change the way somebody looks at themselves in the mirror just yeah. as much as they can't change the way. It doesn't matter if somebody tells me that I look great. I'm still looking at the things that I'm self-conscious about. I'm still looking at my double chin and I'm looking <laughs> at my pooch. <laughs> you know, that, that I don't like. <laughs> absolutely. And that, that really, that reminds me of my days as a headshot photographer, because it's like when you take someone's headshot, it's pretty close up, like it's intimate And it was always really interesting because I would do sort of an audit, like after we would shoot and show somebody on my computer, every single person, it was just like silence at first because they're not looking at the entire shot the way I would be like, wow, you look amazing or you look like this role or whatever. They're looking at their flaws, you know, and have you ever used this analogy? I used to tell clients, um, you know, when you see the um, FedEx logo, uh-huh. Have you ever looked at it and seen the arrow? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so next time you see a FedEx truck, look at their logo because here's the deal. Their logo, when you look at it, most of the time, me as the headshot photographer, let's say, I just see FedEx. Right. But when the person who is looking at themselves, they can see in the middle, there's actually an arrow. It's a white arrow, but it's like placed within the logos. And that's all they see. You know, like they see the thing that nobody else sees. Like I see the whole picture. You just see the one thing. Right. Um, so I feel like that's probably the same thing with styling clients. It's like you could see the whole picture, all the beauty. Like you wouldn't be worried about this one flaw or this one area that bothers you. Oh, and it, it's with everybody. I can confidently say I've probably had close to a hundred clients in the last two years and not a single one has told me the things that they love about their body when I'm in their closet. It is 100% what they are insecure about when it comes to their figure and how they're wearing their clothes and what they don't want to wear because of it. Mm. That's so disheartening, really. It is. It is. It's like, how do we move from that place of feeling that way to coming in and saying, this is what I really love about my body and this is what I want to show off. It's immediately go to the negative about themselves. Hmm. Do you give them any like work around that? Like, I feel like that's probably unconsciously a part of what you do. Like I'm always like, I'm, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm also sort of a psychologist and I'm also a therapist, you know, like. I definitely think that there's some, some like therapy that goes along to, well, and also being in someone's closet is the most vulnerable, vulnerable place of their home, right? It's like through their purse. So when I'm in their closet, it's like, it, it's very, I think, high anxiety for some people to invite me in. So it, it might just be a coping mechanism to just start spewing all the things that they don't like mm-hmm. instead of starting on a positive note. So I really do try to steer that conversation so that we make it a positive experience and so that they start looking at themselves a little bit differently. And once we get to trying things on too, it's showing them how to, to work their assets so mm-hmm. that they feel better, so that they're not thinking about the negative every time they open that closet door. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing 
service that you provide and the creativity around it. I, I love watching your Instagram and seeing when you put things together and like, it's just so inspiring to me. And I can't wait till the next season of my life when I can do it. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that would be a really fun gift to myself. <laughs> I think so. I'm here for it. <laughs> I would be up for that. And I like, seriously, I think of that closet audit would be a really cool gift for someone. Cause I know people want this. But sometimes it's probably hard to pay that, pay, to buy that for themselves. You know, same thing, the shame and the guilt around it. It is. And, but I call it an act of self-care. I know we throw around this term, but, you know, some people get massages and some people get their nails done and some people get facials. Well, you know, and a bigger act of self-care is starting with what's on your body every single day and how you want people to perceive you and how you want to feel when you leave the house every single day. So it really is self-care when you think about um, kind of what goes into that. Yeah. And then that just escalates. I mean, even that day with the Dames Collective panel, I felt so polished and so put together and like so great that whole day because I just felt done, you know? So it really radiates, radiates, right? Yeah. (laughs) It really just like, it's just, it's inside out, you know, and, and that confidence level that grows just from your clothing. It's, it's pretty crazy. There is a direct relationship between the two. When yeah. you feel good on the inside because of what's on the outside, it does radiate and people latch onto that and they love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So cool. Well, if anybody listening hasn't gone over to Instagram or to your site, I'll make sure that I put all of your fun links below so you guys can check them out. And I hope that they connect with you. Is Instagram the best way or how do you like to, to stay connected? Yeah. Instagram or Facebook. Um, Instagram is uh, at the underscore blonde mom. And then Facebook is at the blonde mom style. So I usually post different content on both because I know that I have kind of similar followers, followers on both platforms. So I try to little something different. I didn't even ask you, how did you come up with that name quickly? You know, it's, it's funny. It was just, I was trying to think of a business name and I just in thought and prayer and meditation, I was like, how do I view myself? Well, I'm a mom. <laughs> you know, this, this is like, I lost my identity. <laughs> now I'm mom, but, but I came to embrace it very much over the last few years. And and I'm blonde. So I was like, you know what? The blonde mom is, it's quirky. It's quirky. It's cute. It's who I am. Um, you know, I didn't want to use my name. I just didn't want to use it. I just wanted something a little quirky and fun. And, and then I had this vision of my logo and that's just how it all came to be. It was very simple. It wasn't like anybody told me what I should, what I should do or who I should be. I've just tried to be my authentic self through all of it. That's the best way to be. And I usually end with that question, just sort of how would you tell someone to be more fearlessly you? I think you kind of just answered it, like with with the authenticity. But I'll ask again anyways. If someone were to walk up to you and say like, hey, Kendra, how could I be more fearlessly me? What would you tell them? I just think it's not being afraid of how people see you. Because I think once you realize that everybody else has the same insecurities, then you can really tap into that authenticity, right? And the best compliment that I received from someone was just a few months ago. It was after an event that I had gone to and I didn't know her, but she recognized me from Instagram and she approached me and she said, I, I just had to introduce myself. I've been following what you've been doing and I really enjoyed it. It's inspired me in my own closet, but I wanted to let you know how approachable you are. And I felt like I could come up to you and introduce myself because you're so approachable. And for me, that's what it's all about. Um, I feel like, especially in my line of work, you know, I don't have this high-end retail background. This is a hobby that has just developed over years that I have a passion for. And when I look at, you know, some of the people that are doing styling and, and I admire what they're doing. It's all very different. We're all kind of staying in our own lane. Right. But when I see what they're doing for me, it's intimidating. And I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to be honest about motherhood. I wanted to be honest about the depression that I went through, the drugs that I was taking to get through that depression and my family life and kind of just show people that I'm a very normal person 
just doing something that I really enjoy. And, and it does, it comes down to authenticity and just forgetting about the naysayers. You know, there's always going to be people that don't like what you're doing and I kind of just block them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's brought me more happiness than anything, being able to be authentic and approachable. Mm, I think you're doing an amazing job at that. Absolutely. Done. Done and done. You can check that off your list. (laughs) We appreciate that. Kendra, thank you for your time today. I'm so grateful. I know so many women are going to be really excited about this interview and want to connect. And I can't wait to see you in one of the next uncomfortable rooms that we put ourselves in. (laughs) I'll be the awkward one kind of waving. (laughs) I'll be the big pregnant one like waddling (laughs) towards you. Uh, All right, sister. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Soul Sister, thank you for being here today. I am so honored that you joined me, and I would be so grateful if you would share this with a sister who needs it. You can do so on social media by hashtagging Fearlessly You Podcast. And of course, feel free to tag me at Lauren Lastcheck. And if you are feeling so inspired to pop over on iTunes and leave a review, That is how we get this into the hands of more women to become more fearless. Of course, I would adore you joining me over on my website, laurenlazcheck.com. That's where you'll find more information, more community, and where we'll all get more fearless together. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Have a beautiful, fearless day.